Hello, frazzled women. Welcome to La Vital Core Salon. As always, this is the virtual lounge for the frazzled type A's, imposters, and activity addicts among us. I'm your host and salonier, Kara Martin-Snyder. Don't forget, this podcast features adult women having adult and sometimes potty mouth conversation. So depending on if you're sensitive to that, just want to give you the heads up. And if you have little ones or anyone else around that won't appreciate an S-bomb, perhaps, this is probably a good time to grab your headphones. Each episode, my job is to introduce you to different women across different industries doing different things, but modern women who are out there not letting bullshit and burnout slow them down. And I'm really excited to talk to Susan Parnell today. And let me tell you why. Because I'm a massive tea geek, and she's the founder of Wildleaf Active Tea here in northern New Jersey. Just so you have a little context, sometimes my curation for inviting guests are based on the most random of things. For those of you who, who may not know, Craig and I are temporarily living in northern New Jersey while we're in the process for looking for and purchasing a house. And I've been going to this really adorable coffee shop called Cloveberry where they just have like really super duper nice staff. But on the wall when you come in is this really hip looking brand of cool functional teas which just makes me geek out in like 900 ways. And the, the brand is actually Wild Leaf Active Tea. And it comes in all sorts of different, I'm, I'm going to say flavors, but it's really functions like smart, happy, rehab, detox. And they're all herbal teas. It caught my eye and made me Google like, what is this company? And who is this about? And the founder, Susan, has a really interesting story of how she came to start this company. And it was through a humongous health challenge, which she'll talk about in the episode. But also, I mean, not to make this totally a commercial, because it's really not meant to be. I just really geek out about this stuff. It's really exciting to just see a brand of tea that's kind of just doing things in this really modern way because I can say as like a longtime tea geek and I'm talking I've gone to the bowels of Chinatown to have some blend made that was kind of like chicken soup with a like sock stewing in it is sort of what the flavor was you know and then even now when I need them but especially when I was getting diagnosed and trying to bring autoimmune thyroiditis into remission Personally, I relied on the synergistic healing power of tea a lot. And there were a lot of mixing and matching and, and making my own sort of tonic concoctions that, wow, the flavor sometimes was, it did what it needed to do, but the flavor was terrible. And so I'm really excited to have Susan here to share her story and also just kind of give a shout out to a brand who's getting the the tonic and wonderful healing powers of herbs into tea, but doing it in a way that's really hip and tastes far better than what I usually have concocted for myself. And anyways, I keep blathering on, but Susan and I are going to cover all sorts of ground, 
in terms of how she sort of structures her day that allows her to juggle the demands of being a mom, a wife, and also a business owner and founder of a company. Really just some great reflections on how she prioritizes things and self-care and so, so much more. So please listen in and enjoy. Voila. Hey, Susan, welcome to La Vital Core Salon. Thank you, Kara. I'm so excited to be here and share the Wild Leaf story with you. Yay. I can't wait to hear about Wild Leaf and I can't wait to hear about your story. And I I have so many questions for you today. (laughs) Wonderful. I can't wait to answer them. Cool. Well, why don't we start with Wild Leaf? Why don't you tell us a little bit about the company and then how you came to that work? Sure. Um, The beginning of Wild Leaf actually started about five years ago when I moved to New Jersey from the Midwest. And shortly after moving here, I uh, began to feel increasingly ill after being healthy my whole life. And I started experiencing things like migrating joint pain, heart palpitations, and dementia-like symptoms. And I'll never forget the day that I dropped my two kids off at preschool a mile up the road from my house. And I got back in my car, and I had no idea how to get home. And that was one of those defining moments that something was wrong with me. Wow. (laughs) Wow, yeah. And not being from New Jersey, I'd never even heard of Lyme disease before. And my symptoms were so vast and seemed so fleeting and inconsistent. I was afraid to go to the doctor because I knew they would just look at me and tell me I was crazy. Like, who's going to believe these, this wide range of symptoms that come and go and there's no pattern to the craziness? So I began my own research and started Googling my symptoms. And every time I hit the enter button, Lyme disease kept popping up. <laughs> so... So I took that to my husband. I'm like, I think I have Lyme disease. And um, I started the work, putting the works together and getting diagnosed. And getting diagnosed and treated was a whole adventure on its own. And that's a whole story for another day. Yes. um, That is a really complicated diagnosis. Yes. Yes. It's not an easy one. Um, But, you know, so fast forward two years and I'm coming through treatment. I'm coming out of intensive um, treatment with antibiotics, handfuls of herbs and supplements, and many, many teas. And while going through the treatment, I was most amazed about the difference the tea made with my symptoms. I found the teas would ease my Lyme symptoms, such as like anxiety, and I found teas to erase my brain fog. And then some other teas restored my broken and worn out immune system. And then other teas boosted my energy and helped me fight off that nasty fatigue that Lyme gives you. So I would spend my days researching the perfect blends to help me. And if I had to correlate it to something that everyone could probably relate to, it's, it's like searching for that perfect bottle of wine for that very special occasion. The tea yes. options were endless and the ingredients were vast, you know, and, you know, one blend with green tea might be so different than the other green tea blend. So it was um, very overwhelming. So this problem of having a hard time finding the perfect teas for me gave me an idea. What if I created a line of teas that aimed at helping people propel through their days? Instead of using tea to wind down and to relax, to ease your cold and flu symptoms, what if I sold teas in a way that helped people get through their everyday chaos and live the life that they love? 
And that's where the beginnings of Wild Leaf started. So it all started with Lyme disease. And now I'm out there helping people find and live the life they want to love. How cool is that? I mean, not the Lyme disease part, but it, it seems like it was a gift in this really twisted sort of way. It was, you know, and I say that to my husband all the time. I'm like, you know, Lyme disease has been my biggest challenge in my life, but it's been the biggest blessing at the same time. Yeah. And what was your relationship to herbs and teas before Lyme disease? Was it something that was part of your life or was did that no. break open as part of the Lyme diagnosis and treatment? No, it broke open all through Lyme disease. Um, I grew up with in a medical family, but very traditional. They didn't believe in alternative medicine. The holistic lifestyle was foreign to them. And um, so this was something that completely emerged from having Lyme disease, not being able to get what I needed from traditional medicine, like pharmaceuticals, and really having to go out and trust the gifts God gave us in nature and with herbs and teas. And um, so it's all from Lyme. Wow. Wow. So you've had to go into the well really deep to really start understanding herbalism and, and how they sort of work in the body. Yes. And then you come from this family that's conventionally medically trained. Correct. How yep. are how are family dinners? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I just tell them what they need to know. Life is good. I'm good. <laughs> no need to worry. <laughs> I I laugh from a place of knowing because I think as I migrated from leaving a career in finance to doing this work as a health and lifestyle strategist you know, along the way, like friends from, I call it my past life, were, and, and even my family that is much more like standard American diet and mm -hmm. really not into anything they would call woo-woo. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's been an interesting transition. Like there are some friends that are like, I don't know what you do. I think what you do is sort of weird, mm -hmm. but we love you anyways. And then yeah. like I have friends that are just like, please don't talk to me about any of this. <laughs> I can relate. Yes. <laughs> How do you balance that? You know, I think I just, um, I pick and choose based on my audience, what I want to share. Um, you know, if it's someone that is more scientifically based and they want to see the clinical trials, you know, I stick to the facts that in conversations I share with my infectious disease doctor, if it's someone that's a little more open-minded and is in the, into exploring, other treatment options, then I'm all about sharing all the information I have and resources, including websites and um, Facebook Lyme disease support groups. And so it all depends who I'm talking to and whether I instinctually can tell if where they will be accepting. Got it. So it's a it's a real gut feel for you. It is. Yep. Because not everyone's open to both. Right. Right. I certainly experienced that in my <laughs> world, too. So, Susan, the symptoms that you were describing, I mean, yeah. where you thought you were experiencing dementia, like you, you dropped your kids off and then were like, what happened? <laughs> like, how do I get home? Yep. What was that like for you? It was scary. Um, I got in my car, I started it, started turning out of the parking lot. I had no idea where I was or what direct, which way to turn. Do I go right or left? And... I just 
I backed up and parked my car and let the moment pass. I just tried to keep myself calm. And within a few minutes, it did clear and I did know how to get home. But I went home kind of shaking, like, what is going on with me? There's something not right. So because I've been healthy my whole life. Um, so definitely fear, a lot of fear. And how long were you experiencing these symptoms? I, I'm estimating, I don't know exactly when I was bit by the tick, um, but I'm thinking it was pretty soon after we moved here. Um, so I, we're guessing I was undiagnosed for a little bit more than a year. Wow. So I had undiagnosed Lyme for probably about a month and a half. You mm-hmm. know, again, I was at the beach or around coastal areas two weekends back to back. So I think it was one of those two weekends. And I found the fatigue completely debilitating Mm -hmm. after six weeks. And you went a year. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we went a year and symptoms became increasingly worse. The fatigue was a major problem. Um, The migraine joint pain, it would come and go. But it it was a type of pain I'd never experienced before. It was very deep. It was very sharp. And it would come and last a few hours and then just disappear. Um, so as is a convoluted group of symptoms that I could not make any sense of. Um, and the heart issues are the ones that really scared me because my husband travels a lot. And I had two small children. And I would have to put them to bed. And I remember training my six-year-old son, if mom doesn't wake in the morning, this is what you, you dial 911. I didn't know. My heart was in such bad shape. I didn't know if I'd wake up the next day or not. It was scary. Oh, Susan, my heart is aching for you hearing that. I can't imagine as a mom having to do that kind of training. Yeah, Yeah, it was hard, but we got through it, you know, and we're all stronger because of it. What do you think helped you get through it? Because I know just with my very short case of Lyme that there were moments where I was like, am I pregnant? Am I crazy? Am I, you know, (laughs) you, you, you oscillate between all of these sort of internal questions yeah. What was your mindset like as you were, quote unquote, getting through it? Well, once I received the diagnosis, it took me only a couple of months to realize the you know, medical community was not going to fix me. And um, I learned that I was going to have to take this on on my own. So I really, I had a internal, a, a kind of a fire in my stomach. Like I was going to overpower these bugs. These bugs were not going to take me down. They're not going to strip me of living my life. They're not going to deprive me of my happiness. And so I just had this mental toughness that I am going to win. And I focused on it. You know, if I wasn't taking care of the kids or things that need to be tended to, um, my head was in a computer and I was learning. I was talking to people and I was just doing as much as I could to pull myself out of this. And that's how I discovered the herbs and research which brands are credible, which ones aren't, probiotics, um, teas. And really, it was just my own strong willpower not to be defeated by these little bacteria bugs. Right. When you think of it, it's like woman versus this little thing exactly. the size of a poppy seed, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's what, that, that was my mindset. They're not taking me down. <laughs> I'm bigger. <laughs> Are you a competitive person by nature? Like, was this, was this in character with who you'd been? Or was this like a really different side of you that dialed up? I think it's a different side of me. I've never, I mean, I've always been a little competitive, but I would say more compassionate than competitive. Um, I've always strived for success, and I've always kind of known what I need to do to be successful. Um, but this 
drive in me to overcome the Lyme was definitely a very strong feeling that I've never really experienced before in my life. It was, it just came out of my core and I just had to win, you know, and I haven't really had been in a place in my life before where I've just had to win. Yeah. Your back was up against the wall for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so Susan, you, you did all of this research. You had been doing all of this work. You've been probably bouncing between primary care, infectious disease. Do, were you, were you working with complementary practitioners as well or alternative practitioners? No. Um, I looked into them. They were outrageously expensive. And I did see one Lyme literate medical doctor in LLMD. Um, she's a rheumatologist by training. And, um, you know, she was knowledgeable and helpful. But again, she was still tied to the medical board's rules and regulations for treating Lyme. She couldn't give me more than two months antibiotic treatment. And I needed years worth. Um, so I really didn't find, I couldn't justify the cost of going to like, you know, the holistic, the people that could do both the herbs and the antibiotics together. And whereas I could just kind of do the research and do it on my own. So it just wasn't a, a cost I could justify. Got it. So you just went off the grid. <laughs> yep, I did. Went off the grid. <laughs> so you've healed from Lyme. How did it go from just making teas at home to then sort of giving birth to wildlife? You know, I think I found a company out in Oregon, it's called Mountain Rose Herbs, and they make wonderful herbal blends. And their blends were ended up becoming my go-tos. And, you know, once I started drinking their teas and experimenting with their different herbs, and I even bought a bunch of ingredients from them and started blending my own teas. And I was just exploring, you know, what can I do with this? And I started a little blog and I shared it just just with friends and family. I wasn't public with it much at all. But I just kind of exploring what all can tea do? If tea can make me feel so good and give me life, enough life to get me through the day, how else can you use tea? And I explored using it in skincare and, um, you know, blends for baths and um, just different things. And so just exploring and learning about teas. But when it came down to a business proposition, I'm just like, you know, the biggest way I can make a company successful is going where the market is. And that's on store shelves and e-commerce. And I positioned Wild Leaf to be um, different in the way that we help you get through your day. We help you get through life. You know, we're not here to wind you down, help you go to bed or, you know, help you through your latest, you know, cold or flu. Um, so I just kind of looked where the buying power was for consumers, and I took it that direction. Got it. So was doing that kind of research new to you? Like what what had you gone to school for? I went to school um, down in Florida, and I studied communications and marketing. Um, my husband, I leveraged him quite a bit in developing Wild Leaf. He, he's a marketer by trade, and um, he was – a huge resource in helping me build the brand, tell me what was important on the packaging, how you have to have both the, you know, the benefit and the brand have to be like equal amounts of space on the packaging. And he helped me find, you know, the co-packers. How do I find, you know, quality ingredients from a trustworthy source? Because um, ultimately what I'm creating, people I don't know are going to be consuming. 
So that's, you know, that was scary, a scary thought in itself. So, um, you know, my husband was a huge help and he was able to um, tap into his network quite a bit and help us navigate how we pull this dream of mine and, and make it a reality. Nice, nice. So both of you put on your marketing hats and that that's hugely helpful at the beginning yeah. of a baby company. Yes, yes. I could not have done it without him. So he was definitely an <laughs> instrumental piece of the birth of Wild Leaf. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Yes, exactly. <laughs> How was your transition to entrepreneur? Because you're also a mom too with little yeah. ones, right? How, how old are the kids right now? Now they are five, or I'm sorry, now they are six and eight. Got it. So they were still fairly young when you started pulling all this together. Yes, yes. So how the, you know, the $60,000 question here is how do you juggle it all? Well, you know, it's, it's day by day and I call myself the multitasking queen. And basically I divide my day up into priorities and segments. So, you know, first and foremost, I have to take care of myself and my health because Lyme has taught me if I don't have my health, I don't have anything. I won't have my kids. I won't have wild leaf. I don't have my family. I don't have anything. So, um, first and foremost, I take care of my health. Um, then once I get the kids off to school, you know, the morning is a quick little workout and then it's straight wild leaf and I put my head in the books and I work away. And then once the kids are done with school, it's all about them. So I'm changing hats throughout the day. And then, you know, sometimes after the kids go to bed, I boot back up on the wild leaf, but, um, or I just sit and chill and relax and hang out with my husband so it's, you know, every day is different and it is a juggling act and it's just different hats I wear. And one moment I have one hat on, the next moment I have a different hat on. So, um, but my health is my number one priority. So it sounds like you're, you're getting up and you're getting a workout in earlier. Yes. Yes. The workouts are instrumental um, in protecting my health. It keeps, not only does it keep the Lyme symptoms down, but it keeps my immune system strong. And it's also a good mental release. And just reconnects me with, you know, my mission, um, my thoughts and, you know, my own, my own life and what I want my life to be. So um, my workouts are definitely probably the most important thing I do for myself. What do your workouts look like for you now post-Lyme? You know, they're nothing um, super strenuous. It might be a 20 to, 20 to 30 minute jog through, you know, a paved path in the woods. It could be um, a kickboxing class. I love my little kickboxing gym I go to. Or it could be a yoga class. Um, I could bop in there for an hour and then come home and start working. So um, so those are really the three main workouts I do. Um, you know, and there's a few other little things, but those are the main ones. Got it. So it sounds like first and foremost, it's a priority, which is some of the people listening, like that's their groove too. One one of the things that's a challenge to this crowd is sometimes how to know what, what to do when. Like, how do you decide when you need a jog or to go kickbox or to do some yoga? A lot of times my schedule um, deciphers what type of activity I do that day. Um, if I have a really busy day with lots of phone calls and appointments or we had a huge surge in sales and I have, you know, 30 orders to go pack up, you know, that day might just be a 20 minute jog, you know, or if I have a calmer day where I could afford a little bit more time for myself, then I'll go to the gym or yoga. So it all depends how my day, what my day looks like. 
when do you look at your day? Like what's, when's your dashboard period? You know, I am an old fashioned gal when it comes to scheduling and I still use one of those ancient at a glance paper weekly calendars and everything goes into that calendar, the kids activities, the family activities and wild leaf to do lists. Um, and so, you know, I definitely every weekend I take a look at the next week and I kind of gauge the pace of life the week is going to bring me. Is it going to be a super busy week or is it going to be a slower week where I could get caught up on a few things? Um, but I definitely look at it every night before bed to mentally prepare for the next day. And then I look at it again in the first thing in the morning and then the day just rolls. Got it. So you're doing that pre-check the night before, kind of like, this is what I hope the day looks like tomorrow. And then in the morning after you've kind of had a night to percolate on things, you're like, okay, is this still what I want to be doing? Yes. Very cool. Very cool. So Susan, when you're looking at your day or your your day to come the next day. Are there things that you're looking at? Like are you comparing your schedule to your task list? How do you how do you decide what's a priority for you? Um I'd say you know within each segment how I compartmentalize my day, whether it be kids, family, wild leaf, um I prioritize within each segment. So, you know, um Within family, it's obviously I'm going to prioritize my kids' homework and dinner on top of, you know, um, their extracurricular activities. And Wild Leaf, you know, I'm going to prioritize, you know, who who is needing information from me? Do I need to reach out to the suppliers and put a request in, you know, for the questions they have out for me? Um you know, I just kind of I don't know, it's an intuitive feeling, I guess. I it's just, I just roll with it. You know, whatever is the most pressing, um, whatever I feel is the most urgent, I, I just kind of run with it that way. It's a, it's more of an intuitive balance. I can't really say it's a logical thing. It's just, it's more of a feeling thing. This needs my attention more than this. So it sounds like the question that you're asking yourself is, is this urgent? When does this need to get done? And yeah. does it, blo- is it driven by somebody else? Like, is there an external party involved? Yes, that's correct. Got it. Got it. So thank you for sharing about about some of your planning and prioritization, because I, I think it's something a lot of the women that I work with struggle with. So I, I think it's really generous of you to kind of go into the weeds with me over it. Sure, no problem. Um, Susan, another thing that you mentioned that stuck out to me was you mentioned in the morning that you take time to reconnect with your mission. Yes. Can you share what that looks like? Sure. You know, I, through Lyme, I've discovered that you have one chance to live your life. And ultimately, um, you're in control of your own happiness. So my own personal mission is to live the life that I love. I'm in control of my happiness. I'm in control of the types of people I surround myself with. And that is my personal mission. And I am also living that mission through Wild Leaf. I have created Wild Leaf to help other people um, find their ways through life's roadblocks or the obstacles that are thrown at them. Because we all have it. Life is hard. And it's just, it's just what makes me feel good is knowing that I can be a resource and help others find joy and peace in their life and help them blow past the roadblocks and get to where they're going so they can live 
a happy and fulfilled and passionate life. So that's a pretty big mission. How do you dial into it every day? Because it's easy, like when you and I are talking right now, mm-hmm. right? Like you're sharing your mission. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i hearing it and nodding like crazy because a big part of the vital core mission, which really derives from my own mission, is to create a, a vital core of healthy, energized women in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for us to sort of to talk about it, but how do you check in with it on a daily basis? Like what happens? Is it an external process like through journaling? Is it just an internal like asking yourself some questions? Like how do you make sure that you stay in lockstep with that mission on a daily basis and stay congruent with it? You know, I think a lot of it comes down to, again, my intuition and, um, really kind of feeling out success through wild leaf. A lot of it comes from wild leaf. Um, you know, I've, I've noticed the more hustle I put forward, um, the more activity I generate, and then I'm able to get results. And then I can analyze those results. Like, you know, anytime I get feedback on the teas, I am so grateful. And I'm very happy that, you know, 95% of the feedback I get is, I love your teas. They are amazing. They do exactly what the label says they're going to do. Um, you know, but I use cues like that to gauge, am I on the right road? Am I doing what I'm out to do? Um, are people, you know, experiencing my product the way I intended them to? Um, so it's, it's a lot of just connecting with the end user, the customer, and social media has made that happen, um, you know, in email and phone calls and, and a lot, you know, I really rely on the local Sparta, New Jersey community too. I mean, they were definitely a part of the birth of Wild Leaf as well. I had, you know, probably 20 to 25 um, friends that not only encouraged me along the way, but they sat around my table and tasted so many teas and we would have these tea tastings together and, um, and we really just kind of formed this bond and they're just kind of my powerhouse too. You know, if I need feedback or want to gut check my own instincts, you know, I, I run to these, this great group of women, um, that helped create wild leaf. So, so I guess I have different avenues. I have my gut, I have the hustle with wild leaf, the customer feedback, and then, you know, my core support group here within Sparta, um, all to make sure I'm, my mission is staying true and on the path I needed to be on. Got it. And how do you measure success for yourself? That's a, you know, it's a tough question. Um, it's a me, really tough question. Yeah. For me, success is a feeling. It's, it's not a number or, you know, a certain amount of revenue I need to come in to make myself feel successful. I judge it more on an instinctual feeling. Um, you know, as I just said, the more hustle I put into Wild Leaf, the more success I feel. Anytime somebody you know, shares their experience with me, I feel successful. Anytime, like just, just yesterday I received an email from a customer and she, she was telling me how crazy her day was. And she was thinking forward, she was looking forward to a bottle of wine, but instead she reached for her wild leaf tea. And she's like, it calmed me and I'm so grateful I have this tea in my cabinet. You know, to me, that is success. I am helping somebody have a better day. I'm helping them get through the obstacles and chaos that confront them. Um, so, and it's, you know, in any time I reach a new milestone with Wild Leaf, and if I'm able to co- overcome the growth challenges, to me, that's success. So it's, 
it's more of a gut feeling. It's things that make me smile. And, um, and that's really what it comes down to is how I, how it makes me feel. And to me, that's success. Got it. So you really are a deeply intuitive person. Yes. From what I'm hearing. Yes. I, I, I love my intuition. I have a strong intuitive state and I go with it. How do you nurture that sense of intuition? Because you know, it can get cloudy. I imagine when you were going through Lyme, it, that intuition probably felt far away at moments. Absolutely. And you're right. It does get cloudy. And, you know, self-love, self-care, taking time out for myself is so important because that clears that fog on those clouds. And it reconnects me with my intuition and my gut feelings. Um, and to really decompress, you know, um, one thing, I mean, my workouts are instrumental in helping, you know, reconnect and um, clear my thinking. But, you know, in addition to that, another self-love um, ritual I do regularly is I love my detox baths. It's something I discovered through Lyme. Yes. <laughs> and it, it comprises of just really hot water, about five cups of Epsom salt, a couple cups of baking soda, and occasionally I'll toss in some essential oils or you know, herbal blends or something to increase relaxation. But I would say those are really instrumental in for me clearing my mind and, you know, re reengaging with my intuition. Got it. And I, I just took a giant bath like that last night. And it yeah. really just can, it can take the edge off of any day. <laughs> Absolutely. It can. Yes, it definitely recharges those batteries. <laughs> so one of the things my tribe listening struggles with, and especially the type A subset, is giving themselves permission to slow down. Was that something you were always able to do? Or is that something you kind of had to work towards post Lyme? Yes, I had to work towards that. I had to learn that I need to slow down at times. I need to um, re-engage with myself and take time out for myself. Because if I can just keep going and going and going, my body gets overwhelmed, it gets run down, and guess what? I have a big Lyme flare up. So I definitely have to run within, you know, certain certain ranges. And if I supersede one of those, then I just did myself a huge disfavor and I'm not gonna be productive for another month or two until I get the Lyme under control. So it's very important for me to keep it slow, keep it on pace, and not to overdo it. How do you balance that? Because it's, I mean, you're a mom, you're a wife, mm -hmm. you're a business mm -hmm. owner. So there are, I'm sure, a lot of demands coming at you constantly. What helps you not begin to put yourself as number four in that list? I think the repercussions. You know, if I do put myself as number four, I'm sick in bed and nothing's getting done. I'm not living the life I love. Um, so, you know, I've been, for, I've been forced to be put in this position where I have to put myself first and put my health as number one. Um, cause without it, I have nothing. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a skill I had to learn and it wasn't an easy one to learn, but I, I did learn it and I keep it in the forefront of my thinking all the time. I imagine you've had to get pretty good at saying no or, or actually deciding no and then communicating a no. How's that gone for you? Yeah, being a compassionate person that cares about others and other people's feelings, it is hard for me to say no. And um, it, it is one of my weaknesses. 
It's something I've always struggled with. And, you know, I find what I, what I do now is I just kind of engage my activities around what I know I can handle. You know, um, my children, for instance, they are very involved in after school activities, but I know my threshold. You know, I know I can send for a couple of things, but take it to three, it's way too much. Um, so I think it's just knowing my boundaries and knowing what I need, not only from the family perspective, but also the business perspective and just staying within those, those guidelines, you know, just, and not pushing too far in any one direction, just kind of keeping it all tame and in control. Um, it probably does hinder me a little bit. I probably could grow wild leaf a lot faster if I just, you know, put the puddle to the metal, but I know if I do that, um, there's going to be health consequences. So we're growing slowly and steadily, you know, and we're taking our time and mastering one, you know, channel at a time. Um, so, and, and it, and it's working, you know, our growth is slow and steady and, um, I'm happy with that right now. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. It sounds like honoring those boundaries. It's something you've needed to learn. It's something that you, you probably have to really be vigilant about on a daily, if not weekly basis. Do you ever feel guilt or frustration around it? Absolutely. It's, it's one thing, you know, I talk with my husband about all the time, you know, when I, you know, some Sunday nights, I'd love to go to a yoga class and, but you know, I'm leaving my kids right around bedtime and, um, they're getting ready to go to school the next day and I'm checking out for an hour, an hour and a half. And that does weigh on me. You know, it's, I like to be balanced and I like to be a, a people pleaser and, you know, my six-year-old daughter, she's like, but mom, I want to snuggle you before I go to bed. And, you know, but again, I always have to find that inner strength to say, I'm doing this for me so I can be healthy and strong. And so I can see you walk down the aisle and get married one day. I'm doing this so I can take care of us. So I just, I do have a lot of guilt, but I just have to keep reminding myself I'm doing this because I have to do this. Got it. And it's, it's tough, right? Like, cause I feel the same guilt sometimes. Like I'm, I'm pretty clear in my nose and what I can take on and what I can't take on. Mm -hmm. Um, parallel to you, I have an autoimmune condition and I have had to learn what those triggers are that are going to have me out of commission. You know, I think these days I can come back within a, a few days, but you know, recognizing like, yeah, you got to work within certain parameters, but there is a, a guilt. Like, yeah. even though you're clearly communicating the no and there's a, a damn good reason for it, yeah. sometimes it's still hard. Yeah, it is very hard. And it's something I do struggle with, you know, and I do feel a lot of guilt. But, um, but you know, I've, I've got to stay strong and healthy. So that's my number one priority. And that, that stays your focus and that's what helps you. Yes. Got it. Got it. And, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about this and, and you're talking about how Wild Leaf has been growing and, mm-hmm. you know, putting the pedal to the metal. And it's funny, when you said that, I pictured like your foot, like all the way down on the gas, but then like the wheels <laughs> falling off, like yeah, as you're exactly. going down the road. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, you mentioned the idea of hustle. And mm-hmm. that's something that comes up in my circles a lot. And there's this sense of like, hustle and being busy and like hustling is you know pushing yourself to the point where you totally burn out what's Mm -hmm. your 
What's your take on the word hustle? My take on the word of hustle is just exploring different business avenues. You know, like maybe I spend, you know, half of my day seeking out, um, you know, websites or bloggers or people that would find Wildleaf to be interesting and see how they would be able to take the brand and, you know, shoot it out to their people. Um, you know, we had a, we've partnered with, you know, people like the Hardy Soul. They're a big Facebook group, um, health and wellness. And, you know, finding people like that, that take our product, they taste it, they study it, they write articles about it, and then share it with their peers. Um, you know, it's finding different avenues, different things to generate activity. Maybe it's reaching out to new wholesale accounts. You know, I might spend, you know, a few days a week pounding the pavement and trying to find new retailers in northern New Jersey for a wild leaf. Um, or, you know, it, it, it could be anything. Really, it's anything that helps move the business forward. And it's just the energy, the inner fire within the stomach that keeps gets you going and gets you out there. It's that passion. It's, you know, it's, um, it's that will to get out there and do your job. So what leaves you feeling at the end of a day, or at least an end of the wild leaf segment of your day? Like, damn, I'm in a good place. Um, feeling that I moved the business forward that, you know, maybe I gained another wholesale account. Um, maybe, you know, our online business just had a huge day from some marketing or advertising events. Um, or maybe it's that, you know, the local farmer's market reached out to me and asked me if I want to be part of their local love festival, you know. Um, it's that Wild Leaf is getting noticed and people are paying attention to it. And when I have that sense and reward, I'm like, all right, I had a good day today. People are noticing Wild Leaf. It's making a difference in people's lives. I'm happy. You're like, I'm not just working in a vacuum today. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> like, it's it's resonating with people. So it sounds like your hustle is just a really steady, consistent hustle. Yes. Are there like, days you just feel like, is this ever going to come together? Or is this going to move? Um, I wouldn't say there's too many of those. No, I have a lot of passion behind Wild Leaf, and I really believe in the teas. And so I really don't doubt, I don't doubt our product at all. And I, I do feel the confidence I have in our product is one thing that, that, um, that encourages me out to get out there and do the hustle because I believe in our products. And I know whatever shelf they end up on or whoever's cabinet shelf they end up on in whatever house that it's a solid product and it's going to help somebody get through their day. And it's going to, you know, it's it's just going to, it's a fun, lively brand and it's going to, you know, bring that presence into other people's homes. Um, yes, it, it does. It completely sticks out. I mean, the yeah. reason we're talking is because I saw the teas on a shelf at, at Cloveberry here in Sparta and it was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also I'm a big tea geek anyways, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely your market. Thank you. <laughs> But, you know, one thing as an entrepreneur, and even when I was sort of leaving the world of finance, it was through being the controller of um, a few early stage startups. Being an entrepreneur can be a really thankless job some mm -hmm. days. What helps you 
let me think of how to ask this question. Like you've mentioned your passion as kind of like a driving force, but there are those days where you might go pound the pavement and talk to 10 wholesalers and 10 are like, no. Mm -hmm. What keeps you going? Like how in those moments do you feel down? You know, not really. Um, I take no pretty well because I know there's a million other people, wholesale accounts out there. You know, um, we are just on the brink of opening the door up to distributors and they are a hard crowd to sell to, you know, and I'm, you know, I've been practicing my little sales pitch to a couple of them and um, just really kind of learning my way into selling to them. And, um, and I know, you know, if one distributor, one wholesale account, one customer, they tell me no, or customer tells me at a tasting, they don't like the tea. And I don't take it personally. Um, you know, I know there's, many other opportunities out there and you just keep going forward. And I just see such potential in wild leaf that I think that's what I stay focused on. And I know not every day is going to be a great day, but there should be more great days than bad days. And that's definitely where we are. Awesome. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. And Susan, I know you talked about how you segment and kind of prioritize your day. Mm -hmm. How do you manage tasks? Because this is another beast of a topic that comes up for, for clients, for listeners, for friends, for family. You know, what I do is I take all the, you know, mundane tasks, everything I'm not looking forward to do, everything that's like a drag to me, like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, get, I get all that done first. I just get it out of the way. Because if it just hangs out there, it drags me down. But if I get it done then I have the whole rest of the day to look forward to. So I do all the nasty tasks first thing in the morning. What are nasty tasks for you? I'm always fascinated by like the stuff people don't like doing. (laughs) It's the mundane stuff. You know, it's um, paying the bills, uh, picking up the house. It's um, getting back to the person that's emailing you, you know, for the 50th time trying to sell you something. Um, (laughs) You know, it's just getting rid of like the the negative energies, the things that have to get done, but you really wish they weren't in your life type of thing. Those are the ones that I just kind of get done right away. Got it. So you pay them up front so you don't have to finance them all day. That's right. Awesome. Awesome. What are some of your favorite tools, gadgets, apps? You know, this is probably going to sound so lame, but, you know, I spent some time thinking about this question, and I have to say my favorite resource and tool is Google, because without Google, I probably would be some debilitated zombie in bed somewhere, you know, but because of Google, I was able to self-diagnose myself. I was, you know, able to get a hold of Lyme disease and really make the best of a bad situation. And on top of that, I mean, Wild Leaf is largely an e-commerce business. You know, people are able to find my company and drink my teas because of the internet. So I am just vastly appreciative for the internet. (laughs) (laughs) That works. That works on many levels for you. Yes, yes. (laughs) And what's one of the most inspiring or useful books you've ever read? You know, this is a book my husband brought home one day, and it's called The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama. And to this day, it is the one book that stands out in my mind that's probably had the biggest impact on my view of life. And 
it just really taught me that happiness is a mindset and you're ultimately in control of it. And it's, and it's all about the people you surround yourself with and has nothing to do with materialistic things. So, um, I'd say that's probably my most inspiring book that I've read. Nice. And do you know, there's the happiness at work. There was a a part two. You know, I haven't, I have seen it. I have not picked it up yet. Yeah. It, if you liked the first one, you will most likely probably like the second one. Awesome. I'll have to grab that. (laughs) And I know you've talked a little bit about what feeds your sense of intuition. Mm -hmm. You know, where do you, where do you go or what do you do when you really need inspiration? When I need inspiration, you know, my go-to place is nature. You know, whether it be a walk through the woods, a hike, a bike ride, or even just a few minutes staring out the window looking for wildlife in the backyard. Um, I just always feel inspired when I reconnect with nature and my thoughts. And it reminds me that I'm just one small person in this vast universe. You know, I might have Lyme disease and I might have these other things I'm managing. But at the end of the day... I'm just one person in this huge, big place. And to me, that's inspiring. It's grounding and just puts things in perspective for me. Nice. It's such a beautiful sentiment too. Like yeah. that, that balance of who am I and how do I fit into this web? Yep. <laughs> the giant spider web we call life. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Susan, because this is a show mostly for women and we have some male listeners, I won't, I won't rat them out. Um, I wanted to ask about your experience of, of being a modern woman and how, how would you define that? No, I would say the modern woman today, she's self-grounded, she's self-assured, driven, probably a professional multitasker, and she loves her family and her friends, you know, and I like to say the modern woman is busy yet balanced. She's both cake and kale. She's hot <laughs> yoga and happy hour. And, you know, I thought of this person when creating the Wildly brand. And, you know, because we we're ultimately targeting the young, active millennial group. And I'm like, who are these people? And to me, this is who they are. They are, they're busy, they're balanced, but they... You know, they have boundaries, but they love to go out and have a good time, too. Nice. And what would you like this modern woman to give more of a shit about? (laughs) I want to go back to their happiness. You know, you have one life to live. And my advice is go out and live it. Find your happiness and run with it. Nice. And I always like to ask the converse to see if anything different shakes out. (laughs) So what would you like to see modern women give less of a shit about? Materialism, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with others. You know, it's like, find yourself, be you. It doesn't matter who has the bigger Gucci purse. That purse might give you some status, but it never brings you happiness. So just be you. Yeah, that status is so fleeting, isn't it? It is. It is, yes. Because it's impossible, like, as soon as you hit that threshold, it's, it's like the threshold moves forward. Right. Exactly. And you're always just chasing. So yes. You, you lose yourself in it. Yes. Very great point. Very, very great reflections. And before I let you totally run away back into your day. Sure. What, 
would you most love Levital Core Salon listeners to know? You know, I would tell them that, you know, life can be hard. It can throw you curveballs. But with that, with a can-do mindset and a positive outlook and attitude on life, you can overcome just about anything. Now, life's a journey, and with every little bit of hardship, you become a stronger person. So embrace the pain and just look forward, and you'll be a stronger, wiser, better person because of it. Amazing. I wish you could see I'm putting like my hands over my heart. I feel like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're speaking our language. (laughs) And Susan, I'm going to make sure that everyone has links to Instagram and Twitter and the website and all of that fun stuff for wildlife. If a woman wants to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? They're always able to email me at Susan at drinkwildleaf.com or um, they can learn about more about me or our teas at drinkwildleaf.com. So those are two of the best ways to reach out to me and get in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I'm glad I fit into one of the segments. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'm glad you did too. This is a lot of fun. This was such a blast. So thank you. And I wish you all the best luck as you're growing Wildleaf and I'll be drinking it for certain. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kara. Thanks. Take care, Susan. Thanks, you too. Hey, everyone. This is Kara again. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I really appreciate all of you listeners showing up and coming back and sharing the show. It does wonders for this little podcast that could. And just a reminder, you can find all of the links and links to the resources mentioned in this episode over at levitalcore, C-O-R-P-S, salon.com. And one more special reminder from Susan, she has a 15% coupon code for anyone who wants to order some Wild Leaf Active Teas online. So I will have that coupon code right in the show notes as well, front and center in the, in the, in the first section so you can easily find it. So do check that out and, and do support another local small business. And just as always, a reminder, new shows are always going to be up on the second and fourth Wednesdays of each month. And before I bounce, I always want to make sure to thank my super awesome husband-deucer, pro-husband, anyways, producer and husband, Craig Snyder, who makes this show come together and really makes the technology not be a giant pain in the butt because GarageBand still sort of freaks me out a little bit. And I also always want to give a shout out to Rishi Deer who lets me use his awesome, awesome song that he wrote as part of the band High Dials. And you can check out Rishi's work now as Elephant Stone, which I highly recommend. So don't forget, everyone, you deserve a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Don't let burnout or bullshit slow you down. Until next time, signing off.